Interesting enough, we always want to qualify or quantify our bad behavior by somebody else's worst behavior. I'm not as bad as that person, right? But we are bad enough. Just how bad is the subject of today's broadcast of Graceful Truth? Just how sinful we really are is the subject of our time together today here on Graceful Truth. A spiritual mirror, if you will, is being placed before us. And before you go away, not really wanting to look at the mirror, we need to, for to understand and gaze at grace. Welcome to Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse from Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. We're back in Romans looking at the scope of man's sinful rebellion. And to help with that, Paul gives us a a list, if you will. It's that list that we're looking at today. Won't you join us as we understand grace and all of its glory? Here's Pastor Steve Converse now. You can do a study. We don't have time to do it this morning, but you can do a study in our history of our nation from the time they began to take the, 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 the Bible and prayer out of out of the public schools, and you see the morals just fall off like a cliff, right down to the sewer. And now we have problems with even the mention of God somewhere. That's the, the society we live in, because they exchanged the truth about God. They made up their own lies about God, but they exchanged the truth for a lie, and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Paul here just gets so overwhelmed. He says, who is blessed forever. Amen. It's like he's not done. He just can't contain himself. Man's sinful rebellion against God is very real. And he says in verse 26 how this kind of plays out. What's the symbol of man's rebellion? Verse 26 to 27, he kind of explains himself. He says, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Ties back that they... They basically gave their bodies over to dishonoring things. And then he goes on to explain it. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. I mean, there's a lot here, but you can see here where man's attractions are sickening. They're sickening to God, and they should be sickening to us. He basically describes here the absolute bottom of the pit of iniquity. The idea here basically is, is that this is where societies end up when they choose their own way over God's ways. You can you can look at secular history and see that. It's been the case in every major society throughout history. And we see here this trend even in America today. Man's attractions are sickening. He kind of describes for us here the sin of homosexuality. And yeah, it is a sin. It's not a lifestyle. It's a sin. It's a choice. He uses it as a way to depict the absolute depths of depravity. I mean, do you ever think why he chose this sin and not any of the tens of the thousands of other sins? I think it basically lies in the simple fact that homosexuals are typically given to more promiscuous behavior than heterosexuals. Sounds judgmental, but if you could do look at the studies, it shows that. The sad thing for us is here in America, 
the homosexual community is estimated to be, this is probably an old statistic, but 1% or 2%, 3% of the population, probably more today. But when you stop and you look at the certain privileges they're given, the promotion of their lifestyle in the open, demanding that people like you and I endorse them, accept them, and affirm them in what they're doing, they've taken homosexuality and they've taken it to a level that they equate it with racism. Even those at the highest levels of government are extending special favors to people who practice this sinful lifestyle. And they're obviously promoting the homosexual agenda. I think that one day our federal government will pass a law that says if you speak out against the sin of homosexuality in such terms, you can be charged with a hate crime. It's coming. And I think when you say, well, you know what? I beg to differ and I'm going to obey God. I'm more concerned about God, what he thinks, than your silly little laws. So I'm going to continue to say that homosexuality is a sin. Then they're going to look at things like nonprofit status. If you continue to do this, sorry, you're going to have to pay taxes on as a church on everything you own, which would be very hard for a lot of churches to deal with, to lose that nonprofit uh, tax status. So they got, so they think, and they probably do, some churches over a barrel. But I think it's important for us to understand that this is the world in which we live. Verse 26 tells us even the women are involved in this insidious lifestyle. I mean, we think of homosexuality as men, but... It says there in verse 26, even, even the women are involved. And this is something that is sickening to God. It should be sickening to us. Now, with that being said, I'm not saying, you know, we go out and we're nasty and, and angry and, and mean to those who practice this lifestyle. That's not what we're called to do as Christians. We're called to reach out and love to them with the gospel of Christ, to, to share with them the truth of the gospel. We need to be willing to do that. We shouldn't run and hide. That's not what Jesus would have us to do. We need to be in much prayer for those who are in our government. But as the days go on, beloved, there's going to be a cry for tolerance. And it's going to reach the church. And I think it already has. You see denominations of churches that are approving same-sex marriage. But see, that's, that's what's happened. It's, it's come inside the church. There's a lot of mainline, even Christian denominations that are considering, accepting, ordaining, and marrying homosexuality homosexuals. And so you have to stop and you have to say, well, okay, that if it's reached the church, then we know that our country has gone the extra mile down the, the road to the pit here. And so you see here, these attractions are sickening. And I'm not going to go into all the, the details of this. We, we understand what, what's going on here. But it's also settled in verse 27. It says, the men likewise gave up natural relations with women who were cons consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves due penalty for their error. The choice of lifestyle, it's a choice. The whole idea that some of these have individuals have some gene that's missing or chromosome, that's it's just medically false. Scientifically, it's false. It's not, not reality. But when God gives a man up to his choices of lifestyles, and the man will find that his attraction to and addiction to his sin will become stronger and stronger each day. They're literally overcome with their evil affections and desires. And what used to bring a little twinge of shame when committed now doesn't even faze them at all. All you have to do is look at the history of television. You know, back in the time when, when some of the 
older sitcoms were on, Brady Bunch or whatever, they couldn't even show a toilet in the bathroom or they'd get in trouble. Not anybody on the toilet, just a, like a toilet bowl. They couldn't show it. It was, it was deemed that's not acceptable. And you look at some of the stuff that's on our TVs today, it just blows your mind how quickly we've fallen so far. That's the recompense of sin. Being abandoned by God enslaves man to his sin fully. It's as if God has somehow supernaturally been restraining the sinfulness in our country up until the last couple of years. And all of a sudden, I think he just lifted his hand of restraint away because the things that are happening now, I mean, you can't even conceive. You have judges who are judging over cases where people have molested children or rape children even in some cases. And they give them a year, sometimes less than a year. And that's okay? It's just crazy. But the judgment is clear. The, I mean, it's, it's there. And they're, they're receiving the due penalty for their error. This isn't popular to talk about, but in the physical realm, in the homosexual, homosexual community, AIDS has been something that has been devastating. Sexual transmitted disease are rampant. And rather than telling people to stop this behavior, it's like, well, we got to just tell them about some kind of protection. I mean, when you have somebody like Magic Johnson, who was diagnosed with AIDS, HIV positive, and he admits to having relationships with as many as 20,000 women. I mean, that's just sick. I mean, how far can human depravity sink? But we also see the scope of it here in verse 28. And since they did not see fit, To acknowledge God, God gave them up, there we go again, to a debased mind. We see it in his decision here. At this point, man's rejection of God is complete. They give themselves more fully over to their own sins. And the more they do that, the less room they have in their minds for God. And eventually, he is rooted totally out of the picture by all their evil affections. And even their own gods that they invented become less and less necessary The person who has come this far in his rebellion comes to think of himself as his own God. Debased mind, a reprobate mind. Refers to something that has been put to the test but failed the test. It's been rejected. We see it here in the depravity. It's referred to, refers to the refining of metals. The idea here is that the men did not want God in their lives and so he gives them over to the power of a totally depraved, reprobate mind. And at this point, they're, they're totally capable of any sin imaginable. As a matter of fact, some of them, they, they don't even know what to do, so they invent sins, it tells us. And Paul goes on here, and he tells us through a list of sins that he, he made up for us under the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It says, 28, they did not see fit to acknowledge God, but God gave them up to a debased line to do what ought not to be done. And they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness and evil. That's basically subcategories of everything that follows. Unrighteousness and evil. That covers the spectrum of sin. And then he goes and he lists off here 20-some sins. And you may go through this list. It's going to be pretty hard for you not to see something on there that you've committed somewhere. But this isn't a complete list. These are just areas of sinfulness. And he starts off there with covetousness, which is basically an appetite for things of somebody else he moves right into maliciousness which is ill will with a vengeance malice and then you have envy they're full of envy murder strife deceit envy is a spirit that 
not only wants the things that somebody else has, but basically begrudges that person of even having them. It doesn't only want to take the things away from that person, but it wants to make that person suffer because they have them. I say some of our government are a little envious of people today. Murder, that's kind of clear cut. We don't need to explain that. Strife, a spirit given to fighting. You ever met somebody who just likes to argue and fight no matter what it is? Deceit, not being truthful, lying about things. This maliciousness again there, a spirit to do evil, envy, hatred, that basically has in mind the destruction of another person. He lists gossips, slanderers. Gossip is, is basically, a gossip is somebody who seeks to harm another person's reputation. That's what a gossip is. A gossip is somebody who would say something about someone else with the intent of harming that person. You have to be careful with this one because sometimes we get this, this can be confusing. He says, slanderer is there while the one above is done in secret. Slander is basically somebody who just does it right to their face, open, slanders somebody, talks bad about another person with the intent of harming them or harming their reputation. I did some research this last week on, on the idea of when is gossip gossip or when is gossip just sharing information. And it's important to discern the two here. I know that when we have leadership meetings or elders meetings, sometimes we talk about individuals in our church. Is that gossip? We're doing it so that we are all informed of what's going on in somebody's life. Maybe they're going through a hardship. Maybe they're, you know, whatever. Maybe they lost a job or maybe they're having issues in their, with their kids or relationship or whatever, their spiritual life. And not all the elders are on board. So we have to sit down and we have to talk openly about those things. That wouldn't be gossip. That's simply informing somebody of the situation. But if we were to sit down and with malice in our hearts, yeah, let me tell you about so-and-so, and with the idea of harming their reputation, sometimes gossip isn't even true. That would be more probably under the slander kind of a, a sin. But just to share information with someone else doesn't mean you're gossiping. You have to go to the intent. You have to go to the motive of that person. Slander is the same thing, basically, but it's done in the open. He goes on there and he says, haters of God. I mean, this is a person who basically hates God and he hates all the the, the standards and restrictions imposed by God. And his goal is to basically be the God of his own life. That's that, that, that individual. It's the person that's on the team but doesn't play by the rules. Have you ever played with somebody that way? They don't play by the rules. I remember... Recently, I was just reminded of this. I was watching some of the college basketball games. I don't like. As a matter of fact, I hate basketball. I just don't like it at all. Sorry, but I, you know, Stephen, Stephen's a college ball player. But I kind of got into these games. I mean, some of these games they go down to the millisecond. You know, at the end, and the, the underdog wins, and it's like, wow, these are pretty good games. I have the slightest idea what a foul is. I would, I couldn't tell you. Something with, you know, hitting the other guy or something. It's like, oh, come on. I mean, I was a kid in, in, in high school when we were in gym class and we were, had to play basketball and you had the skins. The kid guys would take the shirts off and the guys would keep their shirts on, the skins and the shirts. And you'd play each other. I was the kid that when the guy was going for the basket and it looked like he was going to make it, I'd just take him out at the knees. You know, I wasn't that big of a kid, but I could do that and figuring, hey, you know what? He didn't get the two points. I remember the coach yelling at me saying, this is not football, Converse. Give me 10 laps. You know, and I'd have to run around the gym, you know, because I, I just didn't get it. I'm thinking, well, I got to stop him from making these points. Well, that's not how basketball works. See, I was playing by my own rules and nobody wanted to play basketball with me because they never knew what was going to happen. 
That's what happens to these people. They're haters of God. They're, they're their own God. They're making up their own rules. You can't, this kind of person doesn't discern right and wrong. Also, he goes on here, he talks about insolent, a life of defiance that, that kind of stares and, and looks at the face of God and dares him to get in his way. This kind of person is determined to have his own way at all costs. It doesn't matter. Haughty or proud, which basically exalts yourself. We know what scripture says about that. Boasters. This is somebody that's just a bragger. Brags about what he has or what he's done. Whether it's true or not, it's irrelevant. (laughs) Inventors of evil things. This is the kind of person who's basically tired of their sin. Tired of sin as usual and they seek new forms of excitement and pleasure. Disobedient to parents. That's pretty obvious. You're not obeying your parents. Parents, watch out for a rebellious child. I'll tell you right now. Someone who's very rebellious are open to all kinds of sinful activity. Foolishness. It's kind of a person who refuses to learn by experience. They've rejected the truth. They've closed their eyes, their minds to it, and they just kind of put their hands over their ears and they close their eyes and go, la, 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 I don't want to hear it. They're foolish. Faithless, which would mean untrustworthy. refers to people who will not keep their word. You just can't depend on them. Coming down to the end of the list here, he says heartless. This is kind of an abnormal affection and love. They're heartless. In other words, they're without human emotion. A lack of feeling for others. Or they abuse the normal affection and love. They become basic pawns for a man's own use and benefit, pleasure, purposes, whatever it might be. A lot of times this has with it the idea of sexual perversion, all those things. The last one there is ruthless. It's basically the absence of the consideration of any, anybody else's feelings but your own. What matters is basically your own pleasure, your own rights, not the pleasure and rights of others. I mean, that list is pretty broad. It encompasses basically every form of unrighteousness and evil that we know. That describes the world we live in today. That describes the world you've got to raise your kids in today. Well, the third thing here in closing is we not only see... This in his decision and his depravity, but we also see in his destiny. Look at verse 32. It says, Though they know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give hearty approval to those who practice them. See, man knows in his heart where his sin will lead. As a Christian, when we sin, we know we're doing wrong. We can never say, oh, I didn't know. No, we know. The Spirit convicts our heart. We just choose to do it. (laughs) Choose to do it anyway. Against our own conscience, we go into whatever it might be, sinful activity. But here you see an individual who is pursuing his sin with everything within his power. And to make matters worse, he passes his sinful behavior on to others. And he encourages them to walk with them down this dark path of sin. And they even delight in those who live in the same lifestyle. That's very, depicts very clearly the sentiments in a lot of the homosexual movement today. I don't know about you, but I find this passage of Scripture troubling. You know, I think of my grandkids who have to grow up. I think of your children who have to grow up in the world we live in. It's harsh. But you know what? It's a true reality. And basically, the reality is simply this. Those that reject God will ultimately end up being rejected by God. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 says that, they chose the door to God's activity in their lives that, that they see their own conscience as being seared 
because they rejected the Lord. Even though he's a God of love, even though he's a God of mercy and grace and long-suffering, he's still a God of holiness, justice, judgment, and wrath. And you know what? There's a price to pay for rejecting him. That's very clear throughout Scripture. Can't get around that. I found this interesting. There's a species of ants in Africa that builds itself into these colonies and these nests. And they are, are deep with these underground tunnels that connect all these nests. And down underneath the ground is where their young live and where their queen lives. And even though these ants may be a large distance, a great distance from their own nest, getting food and bringing it back, somehow they can sense when their queen is being attacked. And they become extremely nervous and, and uncoordinated. And if by chance the queen is killed, they become so frantic and they rush around aimlessly until they just basically all die. And you know what? I think that's a perfect illustration, beloved, of a person who has rejected God in his life. Being unstable to find direction and peace apart from a human relationship with God, you end up rushing through life aimlessly, pursuing your sin until you too die and enter eternity. If you're in that place this morning, I want to invite you to come to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. If you know someone who's in that predicament, I pray that you would pray for them like you've never prayed for them before. Maybe you're saved here this morning, but some of these sins somehow have crept back into your life. You need to get right with the Lord. I invite you this morning to come before him. He's a God who will forgive. He's a God who loves you immensely. He desires the best for you, but it's only going to come on his terms. This isn't a bargaining table where you can bargain with God about your eternal soul. That's not how he works. Jesus spelled it out very clearly. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He who comes to me, right, will get to the Father, won't be cast out. Father, we thank you this morning for this dark passage of Scripture that really is a commentary on our modern-day society. And, Lord, I know that we could have gone into a lot more of some of the descriptiveness of the, the verses here, but, but Lord, I think we, we understand what's being said And Father, we pray that you would, through your Holy Spirit, illuminate our own hearts, our own minds to the truth of your word, that we would come to understand that there's a world out there that's lost and on its way to hell. And Father, that we have the cure to their sin. We have the answer, which is Christ and his forgiveness, his love. And Lord, I pray that we would be bold in our testimony as we leave these four walls to a lost and dying world that's that's caught up in sin. And Father, it it doesn't... (laughs) paint a pretty picture for the future of our country. I know there's a lot of people still praying for revival, and I would be one of those people. But Lord, it just doesn't look like it's going to happen. But Father, we know that sometimes you perform what in our minds might be impossible. It's clearly not impossible with you. Father, I pray for our leaders in our country. I pray that you would bring them to their senses, that they would stop thinking that just government is the answer, that money is the answer, that power is the answer. Lord, that somehow you would direct their hearts to you, that you would cause them to repent of their ways and to turn to you for salvation. Father, we pray for people in our own church. Lord, I pray that you would continue to mold them and make them into the folks that you desire them to be and that they would be a bold witness for you in their workplace, in their home, life, in the community. Father, that we would strive not to be hypocritical in our faith, that we would be transparent when people see who we are, that they would be amazed at the work that you've done in our lives. 
And Father, we just uh, pray for anyone here this morning who's yet to put their faith or trust in you. Lord, if today is the day you desire them to come to you, I pray that you would make that clear to them as only you can, that you would draw them with an un- unyielding invitation, and that they would be willing to bow their knee to you and declare you to be Lord and Savior, that they would ask you for forgiveness for the life that they live. Father, we thank you and we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Well, it is our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade 5. If you'd like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. This is our phone number, 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. Or you can visit us on the web at gracefultruth.org. We've got a lot of resource materials available there, more information about who we are. And if you need a map to visit us at Grace Bible Church, that's there as well. Again, gracefultruth.org. And would you please drop us an email? Let us know you paid us a visit when you stop by. Again, gracefultruth.org. Or give us a call at 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. We thank you for joining us today and trust we'll see you again next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth. Graceful Truth.